Are you sheltering in place, isolated, feeling alone? <coughs> well, then you're just like us. Hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the quarantined hit, it's time for... Suckatash. Suckatash Shut-In, the Soundcast stimulus package featuring snippets from comedy... Soundcasts. And now, here's your host for this episode, Mark Hershaw. Mark Hershaw. Oh, my goodness. Bill Haywatt, thank you for that enthusiastic intro. I really think you're getting good at that. Hello, Chumley. I'm talking to you, dear listener. And I'm glad that things here in the good old U.S. of A. seem to be sort of simmering down. Maybe, kind of? It at least feels like it's getting better. Mark Hershon here to usher you through Epi 237 of Succotash Shut-In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package. Well, the California shelter-in-place order just got lifted yesterday for now, and who knows, by the time our, our official... 10th anniversary rolls around this April for Succotash, we may just be able to go back to being plain old Succotash, the comedy soundcast soundcast once again. We've got a special guest sharing the Succa Zoom studio with me today, but before we get to him, I wanted to ask you if you caught our most recent episode 236 with our alternating host Tyson Saner. He featured a few marvelous clips last week from the soundcasts Love Alexi, Strange Times, and In the Envelope, the Actors Podcast. So go get a big old scoop, an earful, if you will, of soundcast goodness at Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, YouTube, the Laughable app, or from our own home site, SuccotashShow.com. My guest today is the amazingly hardworking and detail-oriented Chris Mancini. You probably know Chris from his 10-year tenure aboard the comedy film nerd soundcast that he co-hosted with Graham Elwood. We've chatted with him a number of times in the past on this show, usually when I was down at the Los Angeles Podcast Festival, which he, Graham, Dave Anthony, and Andy Wood spearheaded for five years. We'll talk about why that endeavor came to a halt, but it sure was fun to be a part of that every year, I'll tell you. Chris has a lot going on, from graphic novels and not one, not two, but three soundcasts running concurrently. We talk about it all and dig a little bit deeper into the history and mystery that is Chris Mancini, right after this important message from our sponsor. Friends at Henderson's Pants, we recognize America's, nay, the world's love for a good pair of blue jeans. Comfortable, casual, and another C word I can't think of just now. But most of the blue jeans on the market today are just so much overhyped, acid-washed, distressed, low-hanging, ill-fitting, poor excuses for denim that Henderson's has reintroduced a true classic, the 100% dungarees. Just like the rough-and-ready trousers worn by our company founder Jebediah Henderson back in 1827, these dungarees are made from 100% real dung. Through an unique patented process, manure from 17 different species, including water buffalo, sloth, and rhinoceros, is synthesized into the most durable fabric ever to come from feces. So durable, in fact, that there's no punishment these pants can't stand up to, and they'll do it standing on their own. You know, people write in to ask us all the time, quote, 
How do you get rid of the smell of shit? <clears throat> well, never mind that kind of language isn't fit for proper business communication, let alone the intranet. The answer is simple. We don't. In the words of old Jebediah himself, if the pants didn't smell like dung, what's the point of making them out of dung? Back in the 1800s, people only thought of Henderson's 100% dungarees as only being fit for the farm. But nowadays, of course, with the entire world knee-deep in doo-doo, whether it's the boardroom or in the classroom, from Wall Street to Main Street, anywhere's the place to be in your flagrantly fragrant Henderson's dungalicious 100% dungarees. Originally designed for the farmer in the dell, demons in hell, and Batman smells, Robin laid an egg, Batman... Mobile lost a wheel, and the Joker got away. This is a lot of shit, you know that. If I didn't need this job... <clears throat> That's Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1827, and now back to Succotash. Uh, joining us for this episode of Succotash Shut-In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, uh, we have Mr. Chris Mancini returning to the Succotash microphones, and uh, last time we talked to you, on this show, Chris, I think I was at uh, probably one of the Los Angeles podcast festivals, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah, it's been a while. A lot of things have happened since then. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes a lot of things have happened. And we'll get into those. Uh, uh, Chris Mancini, uh, very well known for your long running podcast, Comedy Film Nerds. Yes, a decade. That you co-hosted with Graham Elwood. Mm -hmm. um, but that has... Uh, that has sunsetted. Yes. And I don't want to put any connections to it, but three months after we ended the podcast, all the movie theaters closed. So <laughs> I'm sure, they, you know, they weren't related, but, you know, who knows for sure. <laughs> probably, probably a good thing, I guess, for a podcast about movies that uh, you were uh, not able to go out anymore. Um, and now you've got, uh, now you've got a fleet of projects, including a number of podcasts. I did. I, I launched a um, a new company last year, uh, White Cat Entertainment, and it's focusing on storytelling. And um, it, it's kind of a mix of podcasts as well as um, books, graphic novels, and hopefully some more TV and film stuff. But the podcasts have been a, a huge focus right now. And uh, one of them is What Are You Watching, which I know you just mentioned on Vulture. Thank you. Yes, yes. And it's kind of like a spiritual successor to Comedy Film Nerds, where we interview guests and people in the entertainment industry and uh, comedians, non-comedians, writers, actors, anybody. And we just ask them kind of like, what are you watching? I mean, we, I had a... Um, um, Buzzy Cohen on and he told me all about being like a champion on Jeopardy and it was really cool and interesting, <laughs> interesting and yeah. I'd actually pre-recorded it before uh, Alex Trebek had passed away and we were talking mm. about um, who was going to replace him so it was very odd timing but um, yeah. um, uh, our money was pretty much on Ken for uh, replacement. <laughs> <laughs> now how, how how long has that one been been running? That one's only been going for uh, a couple of months. And uh, so it just went weekly uh, this month. So because I was trying to launch and build everything last year, I just didn't have the bandwidth to do everything at once and do also do a, uh, a completely weekly podcast. So I, I, I was able to get everything built, the website, the Patreon, all the podcasts uh, launched and relaunched and everything rebranded. And so now we're in uh, January and now it's it's weekly. And it's fun because I, especially now with the pandemic too, you know, we have just less contact with everybody, like other yeah. comedians and performers and friends and everybody. So it's it's a kind of a cool way to 
um, catch up with everyone too. Like I just talked to Laura House, she moved to Texas and like, you know, everyone's kind of scattered and Graham and I kind of had like a one year anniversary of like ending comedy film nerds and, you know, he's no, moved to Hawaii. So, oh, really? you know, every, yeah, everyone's uh, just kind of scattered. They realized, <laughs> yeah, when there's, yeah, when there's no when there's no clubs to have to uh, no no you know no no one's you know every every comedian i talk to well no one's on the road i mean jackie cation you know she was just on and you know, we were talking about um zoom you know comedy shows is what a lot of people are doing um but the the main thing i was trying to do too with the other podcasts is because everything was trying to kind of in just like a, a heightened state um and, and as someone who also kind of suffers from anxiety i wanted to create a storytelling comedy relaxation podcast hybrid that no one has kind of really done before and uh, so i created the the quiet journeys of professor atwood and i, I play a scientist slash explorer who goes on all these different journeys and um, adventures but they're they're quiet they're relaxing and it's a lot of production because i have a sound designer and a um, a composer and ron tansky who's amazing and he's pretty much putting a bed of sound effects and music and and sound design underneath every single episode. So we do that twice a month, but I wanted to create something that would kind of tell a story, make people laugh and also help them kind of take the temperature down and, and just kind of relax their mind and help them sleep. And, but also um, even if you're not sleeping, you could just kind of enjoy the story and, and, uh, and the humor and the ridiculous scientific uh, discoveries that I make. <laughs> along, I, I, along the way i did listen to the most recent episode as i told mm -hmm. you i would mm -hmm. um, and it it did its job as advertised uh, <laughs> excellent <laughs> i don't i don't think i made it past the first six minutes uh and i was uh i was gone and i'll tell you one because awesome. uh you and i talked about this uh a little earlier um, and I've, I've been a bit of a fan of the sleep with me podcast, which yes. is designed mm -hmm. to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. Um, the content's a bit sillier. Um, mm -hmm. uh, but it's the same idea as can you just sort of relax? And even if you can't sleep, it puts you in a relaxed state, but I've really kind of trained myself to just fall asleep when these things start, which is, <laughs> I, I was mentioning to you, yeah. I started, I started using going to bed as a time to listen to podcasts to review, mm -hmm. Because uh, when the weather's bad, I can't go hiking, and there's no driving right. to work anymore. Mm -hmm. And but because of the training of the the podcast, the sleep with sleep with me podcast, I can't listen to the podcast for more than ten <laughs> minutes. And one of the interesting things I thought with the Professor Atwood one is that Professor Atwood gets into these sort of uh, technical. I don't know what you'd call them, sort of technical roundabouts or something. Yes. You know, where, technical digressions. Yeah. yeah. And you're talking about like the submarine's propulsion system in right. this last one. And I'll tell you, I, I don't know how the propulsion system works. I got halfway through it and then it was, my alarm was going off at six in the morning. So. Yeah. So, the, and that's, um, that's the kind of thing too, where if somebody says, oh, your podcast really put me to sleep. It's a compliment. This is, yes, yes fantastic. <laughs> And um, that, that's what I wanted to set up. I wanted to set up where like you could fall asleep or you could really learn about propulsion systems and hear about somebody being lost at sea in a submarine. You could get both. And I was always struck by when uh, fans and other comedians would tell me, it's like, well, I don't tell a lot of people, but I use comedy podcasts to go to sleep. I'm like, 
that's not an insult. It's okay. You can use comedy to help you sleep or relax. It's totally fine. No one's going to get mad if you if you say that comedy helps you relax yeah. and go to sleep. And it's a little so. bit it's a little bit like a book because um, some of the podcasts I do listen to going to bed. Um, I will then the next night try and figure out where I kind of lost, lost consciousness <laughs> yeah. and, and pick up the story until I nod off again. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. You could kind of jump in, you know, in any, any sort of area in the, in the podcast and you can get more story or, you know, another great uh, piece of music or uh, sound effects that'll lull you into unconsciousness. So, <laughs> so the third one is uh, conversations from the abyss. And I haven't heard one of these yet, but why don't you tell us a little bit about how, how, those go yes that is actually a horror anthology podcast so i'm kind of putting it with professor atwood as stories to keep you awake and stories to put you to sleep <laughs> so <laughs> it's pretty much the opposite of uh mm. of relaxation where it's two it's a conversation between between two living things possibly <laughs> and it's uh we wanted to set it up where what if it was a weird off disturbing conversation that we were eavesdropping on so there's no music. There's nothing that kind of makes it feel more like a drama other than you feel like you're actually listening to a woman try to sell her soul to the devil or uh, like really like uh, a suicidal man actually having a conversation with death. And um, I made it so it, it, it I, I wanted to kind of take away all of those cues of like, this is a drama. This is a play. I wanted to make it feel more real, like a conversation with just kind of really weird and off and disturbing things happening to it. And um, we've got a great cast of people, a lot of people from uh, Welcome to Night Vale, Thrilling Adventure Hour, mm. um, like uh, Cecil Baldwin and uh, uh, all those guys and um, Janet Varney and and um, a lot of people from like uh, um, uh, Legend of Korra. And yeah. everyone kind of does like one episode and then uh, like they come back for like the next season. I've got two seasons now and the third season is actually in post-production and that should launch uh, fingers crossed <laughs> february 1st oh good well, so I'll that's be... um that's another reason why the other podcast could only be like uh <laughs> twice a month until until uh, january because i just had to build and kind of get all these things ready for uh the launch but well, we're gonna have to do some catching up then if it's yeah <laughs> the, well there's only eight of those because those are so intensive like each season only has eight episodes but uh oh, okay. they're I remember uh, some of the feedback I got was somebody said, you know, I haven't listened to all these. So I kind of listened to them all at once, but I shouldn't have because I was alone <laughs> in my office working late and it creeped me out. <laughs> and so I'm assuming these are scripted. Yes, they're yeah. completely scripted. And um, what I also tried to do in a weird way is also make them more conversational. Like they do go on tangents like a podcast would, but ultimately there's a through line in a story that, um, can often end very badly for one of the characters. Well, this is, I mean, all of these, I mean, other than perhaps what are you watching, very different from comedy film nerds. So is this, uh, are these, the this sort of content build, been building up inside you for all this time, hoping for a release? Or <laughs> as, as comedy film nerds eclipsed, did you say, what am I going to do next? No, it was more of uh, like, this is what I've always kind of been doing, uh, like as far as writing and writing graphic novels and scripts and books and all of those things. So it was more of like when comedy film nerds ended, I was like, well, what do I, I want to focus on the things that I really want to do and the things I really want to say. And it really was storytelling. So 
that's kind of what I, I put the focus on that was kind of a little more in the background while I was doing comedy film nerds. Like even when I was doing comedy film nerds, I had like a graphic novel launch and I was working mm. on, a, um, you know, books and other scripts and things like that. But now I just kind of want to put all that to the forefront. And how the graphic novel, uh, Far and Away, right? Was uh, Long Ago and Far Away, uh, yes. That's out from um, Starburns Press. In fact, they picked it up for development for TV. So we're currently nice. pitching that to uh, um, uh, TV networks right now. But, you know, the pandemic kind of <laughs> slowed that down a bit. Yeah. So we're hoping we'll, um, we'll get back out there when um, networks are actually looking to buy new things, which yeah. may be some time. Um, but that, that one was, that one is out and it's, uh, you can get it on comiXology. In fact, you could also get, um, signed, um, hard copies at, on my website. And then the new one, Rise of the Kung Fu Dragon Master got funded last year on Kickstarter. So we're going to get that to backers and then we'll get the volume two of that. Uh, we'll kickstart this year too. Nice. I still have my copy of the graphic novel proudly uh, next to my bed. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's another good story. Now that one uh, shouldn't put you to sleep. That one. <laughs> <laughs> and the the TV version, are you hoping for like a live action version of that? We're like, we've actually developed, because of the pandemic, we developed kind of two different tracks mm. uh, because one of the, one of the uh, original ideas was live action. But then when all the live action shut down, we kind of pivoted to animation a little bit. Okay. So we're kind of, we actually have two different pitches for it to see which is uh, more marketable at the moment. And no one knows what that is yet. So we'll <laughs> see as the year uh, progresses, yeah. um, which, which version of it, if I had to pick, I would love to see the live action version for sure. Yeah. That would be pretty fun. Kind of like, it's like a, you know, a clerk's meet to Narnia. So you've got yeah. these, you know, crazy self-centered characters, you know, dropped into a line, the witch in the wardrobe. So comedy film nerds was on for 10 years um, mm -hmm. and started, I think either about the same year or just before Succotash did, because we started 2011. So I think you were maybe a year ahead of us. Uh, it was, yeah, it was, we were definitely one of the uh, first ones. I remember uh, um, when Graham had said to me, it was like, well, we should do a podcast because originally comedy film nerds was just a website with uh, reviews and um, movies and a store. And I said, okay. And that's, of course, when I asked what's a podcast and, you know, the, a lot of the uh, older, older episodes are still available and you could actually hear us trying to figure out what we were doing in the first couple of episodes as we were all trying to figure it out. But yeah. It's so been a while. So you guys had the website and what sort of led you to, um, obviously the podcast came out of where, what you were doing then, but what got you into the, the comedy film element to begin with? Oh, was, we were always both uh, big film fans and I was always been writing and we were filmmakers too. So we did a lot of independent films, a lot of shorts, you know, a couple of features between us. And, you know, when we always said comedy film nerds, it wasn't that we would only look at comedy movies. We were always look at like uh, um, any kind of movie, but just with like a comedic kind of spin on it where right. our our theme was always funny, but informative. So we would actually take all that knowledge of filmmaking and, you know, we both went to film school and we have that analysis. And, you know, we wrote a book, The Comedy Film Nerds Guide to Movies, that actually we go through and break down uh, the genres and uh, we always kind of wanted to make that mix of like, yeah, we can make jokes about it. But we also want to give some, um, you know, valuable insight into this film as why you should see it or why you shouldn't. And that's always something that I've, I've loved to do where, you know, it's always to, great to say, yeah, I like this. I didn't like it. But tell me, I always want to know why. Why didn't you like it? Why did you like it? And give me a specific reason. 
Um, that sucks yeah. is, or that's great, but great. Okay. But tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I, I mean, I, I, I've reviewed films off and on for, for years, uh, dating back to like my high school newspaper and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was always struck by reviewers in like the major newspapers that would pan a movie that I had been at the same showing that the reviewer had been at and the audience very clearly was yes. enjoying the hell out of the movie and the reviewer didn't like the film. And I was yeah. going, well, did we watch a different version of the movie? I, what, what happened there? Yeah. It, any, all art is subjective. <laughs> but what I, what I find fascinating too, is like, you know, cause we grew up around the same era. There weren't that many film reviewers and the film reviewers were on major newspapers that you actually had to hold in your hand mm-hmm. to read. And what surprised me so much was how many film uh, reviewers seem to hate movies so much. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, you know, and uh, but that you know that's all obviously changed. But it was a weird thing. Like, no, you should love movies, and and when one you don't like um, comes around, you should tell me why you didn't like it, and you should be disappointed because you love movies. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, how did you and Graham first meet? Or did you guys meet in film school? No, we, we met here in LA, just, uh, we worked on a, I think a couple, uh, projects together and, you know, we were just kind of talking like, um, where can we kind of funnel and put together all of our love of film comedy and bring all of our funny comedic friends with us. So we had a bunch of lunches and figured out how to build the website and then everything just kind of grew from there, the website, the store, the, um, uh, and then the podcast from there and everything just kind of fed to each other. And then we, we, we worked with a lot of other comedians and companies too like we handled all thrilling adventure hours merchandise Mm. and we kind of expanded that way but then everything went to an on-demand model and that uh, you know physical merchandise kind of went the way of the dinosaur for the most part yeah yeah. (laughs) even you know t-shirts we had i know i had a garage full of like dvds and t-shirts from all these different shows (laughs) and you know no one does that anymore i don't do that you know for my new company all all the t-shirts are on demand that's it yeah no i remember now i remember just the uh the section at the uh, LA pod fest where everybody had all their merch yes. all mm-hmm. piled up. And it was just yeah. kind of weird to see like tons of versions of stuff printed. Yeah. You may never see that again, actually. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What, uh, I, I mean, I talked to you about this when I was there and I had my little microphone set up and stuff, but what inspired you guys to start doing the podcast festival in the first place? Cause I remember being in on the Kickstarter on the first one. And it was oh, so exciting yeah. getting that going. And it was we in it, that it was, weird hotel in, in San Oh, I, I remember. Yeah. Every, every year was just weirder and weirder in a, in a good way. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was uh, Dave Anthony came to us with the idea uh, hmm. with Graham and I, and uh, we were like, you know, this sounds like fun. Also sounds like a lot of work. Cause you know, we've been to many different festivals um, through our, um, film festival experience. So we kind of knew what to expect and how a festival should be run. And we kind of brought all that um, expertise and ideas to like how we thought the the festival should be run. So we kind of put it all together and we kind of had our different specialties. Like, uh, you know, Dave was a lot more uh, hands-on on the talent where I, I kind of, I liked the back, um, the, the backstage stuff with like panels and kind of helping other podcasters and, and learn about the, the uh, technology and the medium. And, you know, we put it together for a bunch of years and, you know, it was really fun. It was just super expensive and a ton of work. Yeah. So it seemed we, crazy. We, 
Yeah, we sunsetted it right also probably a year or two before all live performance ended as well. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, also there was just, it was funny because you guys were kind of first first to the market for the first couple of years. Yeah, then... there was nothing else. And then apparently we made it look easy <laughs> because a lot of other people came in and uh, lost a bunch of money doing it. So. Yeah. Well, I was just blown away that I think it was the, the one in Anaheim and it was like a month apart from yours. And it was like the either the fourth or fifth year you guys were doing yours. And I was like, what are these guys thinking? It's going to yeah. be falling from the same market. And it's like, it, it, it certainly didn't help. And uh, it, you yeah. know, it didn't help them either. Then I think they did one in New York after that. And then that was it. But you know, when you're a big corporation, you could lose yes. uh, one or $200,000 and, and mark and write it off as a, as a marketing fee. Uh, when you're, you know, three indie guys trying to put on a festival in a hotel, you, you can't, you're watching every penny. So it was definitely, um, you know, two different levels of trying to put on a, an event. Yeah. Um, just to kind of uh, skip around a little bit, um, where did you uh, where did you grow up? I grew up in um, the suburbs of Philadelphia, uh, okay. a town called Westchester, Pennsylvania. And I went to school at uh, Temple University in Philly, and that's where I got my film degree. And they, it was uh, a couple of years ago, so they called it a radio, television, and film degree. And um, <laughs> only two of those mediums still exist. So. <laughs> was it something that you uh, you aspired to as a kid? I mean, were you a big radio fan? Were you a movie fan? What sort of things sort of... Uh, got you sort of revved up to want to f- pursue that well, as education. This will be no surprise. It was movies. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I would watch movies all the time. I would read. I, I would do two things. I would watch movies all the time and I would read books all the time. And it all boiled down to the telling of the stories. That's what I love the most. And it was always a lot of genre stuff, fantasy, science fiction. That was kind of the things that I gravitated to the most. And um, that's always kind of what I've worked on as um, as a writer and a, a filmmaker. Even on the short films, there's always something, a, a sci-fi fantasy uh, feel to it. Um, but, and that's right now, you know, what I really want to kind of get back to and focus on. Well, this is what I've always loved. These are the stories I've always loved to tell. And this is, this is kind of where I, I, I want to be. Very cool. Very cool. And now you've got White Cat Entertainment. Yes. Uh, you are the entertainment maven sitting at the yes. top of the White Cat <laughs> Entertainment Empire. Yes, I am the top of a one-person company. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you've got uh, – already you've got kind of an amazing array of things, right? So you've yes. got graphic novels. You've got mm-hmm. these three different podcasts, and um, it seems like probably access to more things coming out uh, as hopefully the world be- <laughs> begins to In- indeed, reemerge yes. from its egg. Yeah, and it's true. It's like a weird phoenix, some kind of rebirth, anything, you know, is what we need. But it's uh, because last year with all its challenges, um, building and rebranding and launching really took a lot of time. And it was just one of those things where like, well, look, it is what it is. I got to just, you know, um, go with the flow here. Whereas this year, I'm really excited and um, pumped to do more content creation and more promotion, like get the word out there, get more people um to know about what I've been doing and to buy more product and join the Patreon and all of those things. So, you know, cause the, the quicker I can grow, the quicker I can expand and hire people and get help and all of those things, those great yeah. things. Uh, because you've been doing this uh, for so long, working on the, I'm going to go back to our term for it, the soundcast side of things. Yes. <laughs> um, uh, by the way, it still has not caught on. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> someday, Mark. Someday. someday. <laughs> I, I hold the, the torch aloft. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, we got a, we have a lot of soundcasters who listen to this show because we feature a lot of their, you know, the smaller shows and stuff because mm-hmm. where else are they going to get any sort of love? <laughs> um, so they're, they listen to this and what sort of, as things have changed and you and I have both watched just sort of the networks come in and kind of scoop up a lot of shows and begin yes. providing original content at a very high level of production quality. What, have, what, what can the smaller sound casters do to sort of help sort of push their, what they're doing, uh, both from a technical side and from uh, more of a visibility promotional side? Well, it's what you said is definitely true. And um, it is definitely harder to get listened to, noticed, seen, and all of those things, because there's way more podcasts. And like you said, there's a lot more corporations and podcasts that are actually funding and, um, you know, producing content. I think it it always boils back down to the content because you're never going to be able to compete with the budget of a, you know, a giant company that's throwing, you know, thousands of dollars, uh, you know, a week at a celebrity to do a voice or a, or a, a narrative show. But that doesn't matter because the entry um, expense and the, the points of entry and the cost are still the same for soundcasters. <laughs> and, uh, you. you know, it's a little bit of equipment and it's, you know, it's an idea, it's your content. And there's still a lot of like really great uh, shows that haven't been, of course, discovered yet. And there's a lot of great people doing great things, but it's harder to get noticed for sure. So you got to be a little more creative. You have to go more online. You have to use socials a little bit more. You just have to kind of do a little more legwork for discovery but the the positive thing is, you know, the content is always going to be the content. You know, there's plenty of really expensive shows that have spent a lot, people spent a lot of money on that no one's listening to. And there's plenty of shows that people have been doing in their garages that, you know, have, have shot up for sure yeah. and gotten really popular. So, you know, don't get discouraged. The, the other thing I would say, too, is what have you got to lose? It's not like, oh, I, I, if I only had $10,000, I could get into soundcasting or podcasting. You, you don't need that. And you know, don't do it because you're going to get rich and famous, do it because you really want to. And, you know, if you're creating something that's genuine and organic and something that brings you joy, that comes through in your show. And that will give you a greater chance of getting noticed and people to relate with you and come on board with what you're doing. That's great. All great advice. Um, Yeah. And that idea of trying to find that thing you love is, um, I mean, you really have to dig into the universe, right? The the soundcast yes. universe is vast and a lot of stuff is being done, but there's also for everything that's being done, there's a lot of niches that are not being quite answered to. Um, so it's finding that hole, finding those places where your particular taste or your particular passion uh, can bring something out that nobody else is doing. Right. Uh, but don't be surprised if <laughs> some major corporation didn't say, what a great idea. I'm going to do that. I mean, last year <laughs> I auditioned for some outfit in New York. Uh, they got my name from somewhere. I don't know where they said, Hey, yeah, we heard you're, you know, you do, uh, you do podcasting and wonder if you want to audition to host this show we're going to produce. I go, yeah, sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I said, they, they said, can you come back to New York? I said, no, I'm not yeah. <laughs> coming back to New York for an audition for a podcast. Uh, so they let me audition uh, remotely and they sent me the material for it. And it was a, it's a podcast that plays clips of other podcasts. And I, I, I said, 
this is what I do. You're our, you're doing my show. Yeah. <laughs> so. Well, maybe they thought you'd be perfect for it then. Is that- <laughs> I, to- I told them I'd be happy to sell them both the name and the concept, but yeah. <laughs> in the end, they picked some other jazz. Anyway, the show hasn't come out, so I don't feel so bad now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of that going on for sure. <laughs> if you could, if you could produce, um, uh, sort of the ultimate podcast, uh, that, that would really kind of, and maybe you're doing it now, but is there anything that you'd uh, subject matter or storyline or something you'd love to tackle? Um, and you could be as specific or not specific as you want. <laughs> so you don't give one of those hungry young podcasters. Any I, I think it's really, it's kind of what I'm doing now. Cause these are the kind of things that I always really wanted to do. I wanted to do a twilight, uh, st- uh zone style show. And I wanted to do a, a narrative comedy relaxation one. But um, if I really, if I had infinite budget or if I had something, um, you know, all the resources in the world, I would probably look into doing something like some kind of sweeping story epic, like a Game of Thrones, mm-hmm. but like an audio version. So I don't, um, but, th- but that would be very, very ambitious and that would yeah. require uh, something like one of the things I've always wanted to do is figure out a way to kind of um, have the podcasts and the graphic novels kind of feed into each other. Oh, that's like, you know, a story in the graphic novel that will maybe then there's a podcast version of it and kind of go back and forth, but they're two very different mediums. So I've, yeah. <laughs> I've been happy with uh, keeping them separate for now, but I'm wondering if that's a nut to crack at, at some point, how, how they can go back and forth. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Uh, Chris, thanks so much for talking to us. I love having you on. And uh, you're very ambitious, which is fantastic, (laughs) uh, particularly in this uh, particular time in sort of media in general. It's just amazing watching shows that aren't in production because people can't work together because of Mm -hmm. COVID and all these other things. Um, And yet you uh, you're you're doing a good job of sort of persevering because you're uh, you do have this sort of essentially one man operation, which yeah. affords you the chance to pump out things like these narrative podcasts, you know, um, uh, like professor Atwood where, yeah, it's got this great sound design and quality to it, but in, in sort of the final essence it's your writing and it's your voice and it's your sensibility that brings that together. So it's, uh, thank you. Absolutely. That's definitely the goal for sure. Do what you want and have other people like it. So <laughs> there you go. New, new teacher coming out next week. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Mark. Always fun being on the show. Yeah. And where can people uh, fi- find your shows? I mean, they're, they're certainly familiar with where to find Soundcast, but where's a good place for them to go to find everything that, uh, that you're, you are doing. Well, one of the things that took a while was to get everything on everything. <laughs> was, uh, uh, so if you want to go to just the hub to kind of look at everything, you just go to whitecatentertainment.com and then you could join a mailing list and you could click through to the podcast there. But all the podcasts are also on like uh, Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere where there's actually podcasts. I think they're even on, on like Amazon, like because uh, some of them go through the platform, but then other ones I had to actually go in and get approved to get on and all of that's mm. is pretty much done now. So you could pretty much find them, I'd say, 90 to 99% of podcast places now. Excellent. Well, we will uh, provide a link on our Succotash Show blog at SuccotashShow.com for people so they can just find the blog that goes with this episode and click on the link to find you, which will be good. And uh, we'll talk to you again. Great. Well, thanks a lot, Mark. This was always fun. My pleasure. Take care, Chris. 
Nice to catch up with that guy. So busy. You can link up to everything Chris has going on over at whitecatentertainment.com, including his three soundcasts, What Are You Watching?, The Quiet Journeys of Professor Atwood, and Conversations from the Abyss. You can also follow him on Twitter at Chris J. Mancini. I'm getting the sign from our producer. It's time to wrap it up. Actually, I'm lying. No, no one's telling me anything. I'm here by myself. But I, I do have to kind of get some things uh, going on, some other stuff I've got to get to. So I will just say thanks for dropping by. Please remember to rate and review us where they let you get away with that stuff. It costs nothing for you to do it and means the world to us. So Apple, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, give us a thumbs up. Whatever kind of rating systems they have, give us a lot of stars or thumbs or whatever. And remember that Tyson will be here before you know it with a lovely packet of Soundcast clips just for you. Until we meet again, be good to each other, wear a damn mask, and if anyone asks if you've heard anything good lately, won't you please pass the Succotash? You've been listening to Succotash Shut In, the Soundcast Stimulus Package, with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants, Trumpoetry.com, and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on YouTube, on SoundCloud, on the <laughs> Laughable App, and tattooed on your mother's rear end. You can hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at marc at succotashshow.com. Or call into the Succotash Skype line at our toll call number 818-921-7212. You can also upload clips from your favorite comedy soundcast directly to us using our direct upload link at hightail.com slash u slash Succotash. Production of Succotash is overseen by Joe Paulino through the auspices of Studio P. Sausalito, the home of the hit. Our hosts are Mark Hershon and Tyson Sainer. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is still Kenny Durgis. And until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please wash your hands and pass the Succotash. Goodbye. This has been a Succotash Patch production.